In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, save me. It was dark, it was late. The winds were rough, the seas were high. But let's review what we just read to pick out a few of the details. The Lord made them get into the boat. He made them precede them to the other side. And that was in the evening. Maybe not even quite late evening. We don't know. He dismissed the crowds who went back to their homes. And then the Lord went up to a mountain. All by himself. Just to pray. Just to be quiet. And after many hours... During the fourth watch of the night, then he went out to the disciples who were in the boat. The fourth watch of the night, that means the first watch is from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., the second watch from 9 to midnight, the third watch from midnight to 3. So between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., that's when he went out. We don't know how long the seas were high, we don't know how long the winds were strong. But they had been out all night in the Sea of Galilee. These were fishermen. They knew the water. Notice that there's no mention of their being scared of the storm, although they might have been. There are other storms in which they found themselves uh, nervous and worried. But here, what is noted as truly frightening them. What scared them? Seeing Jesus walk on the water, that frightened them. Not certain that it was him. Peter said, make me come out and walk on the water. And as he faltered and began to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. And so how often do we cry out, Lord, save me, or Lord, save us? And how is it, especially today, that we cry up to heaven, Lord, save us? Consider Elijah. We heard about him in the first reading. On the mountain of God, in a cave, taking shelter, by himself, praying. Elijah we also associate with not only the quiet prayer of a prophet of the Old Testament, but the quiet prayer of monks, of Carmelites, who owe their inspiration to him and his his deeds of glory on Mount Carmel, just overlooking Haifa, in full view of Lebanon to the north. Remember, Elijah was the only faithful prophet, the one who challenged kings, in their iniquity and spoke the truth and at times had to run for his life. 
It was up on Mount Carmel where he challenged the priests of Baal. Elijah was the prophet of the true religion. And to expose those who had fallen away into false religion, and there were many varieties of that, he challenged the priests of Baal to a contest. You set up your altar with your bull ready for sacrifice. I'll set up my altar with my bull ready for sacrifice. And if your God accepts your sacrifice, then your God is true and my God is false. If my God accepts my sacrifice and it's burned up in fire, then obviously my God is true and your God is false. The details are worth your attention. They resemble uh, many of the religious practices of that region to this day. Not only the priests of Baal in, in religious frenzy slashing the tops of their heads with blades and with blood dripping down, which you can see um, in different religious festivals even to this day, or in the aftermath. The story ends well for Elijah, the God of Israel, sent lightning to make his sacrifice burn in glory, exposing the priests of Baal of their fraud. And so in the little detail that doesn't even get into the lectionary when we read that episode, he cut their heads off, as they deserved. The true religion of the Old Testament had many different false variants, people who went astray. And that even the true religion of the Old Testament will be superseded when Christ establishes the new and everlasting covenant, when Christ dies on the cross and offers up the sacrifice which will atone for sins for all of us. And when in his resurrection he reveals a life that is meant to be eternally glorious for each of us. As glorious as the old covenants and the old laws of which St. Paul speaks today, the new covenant is so much more glorious that the old one seems to be of, of little glory. We can say with serenity, still acknowledging the Old Testament to be the story of God's people, God's chosen people practicing the true religion, that the only hope for peace, the only hope for true peace in the world is the Christian faith, is individuals and families and peoples and nations belonging to Christ. 
Because now our attention, at least for a week or so, has been focused on another mountain in the north of Syria, in the north of Iraq, rather, where people is huddling as their children die of starvation, as their women are enslaved, as babies are beheaded. And the Holy Father has asked us this weekend for every parish in the world to pray for the Christians in Iraq. He's also made it very clear that the international community must intervene and prevent this from continuing. He said many times, as did Pope Benedict, as did Pope St. John Paul II, that violence is never the answer. Realize they're, they're speaking from the perspective of the final resolution of things. The Holy Father certainly did not, he did not ask for the Cub Scouts to go and um, pacify uh, the people who are trying to uh, slaughter Christians. And we understand full well, as an intermediate step, violence actually does stop violence. It's not the final resolution of things. It is tempting for us, it's even tempting for me, I haven't printed the bumper sticker ever, but it's tempting to remind people, if you want peace, pray for victory. But that's only a temporary solution. The only ultimate solution, the only ultimate formula for peace is belonging to Jesus Christ. Because there will only be peace when there is no sin. And the only way for there to be no sin is if there's Jesus. Not only original sin which corrupts each and every one of us, but the forces of evil which wage battle against us constantly and will until there is nothing left on earth for them to corrupt. There is no solution for peace. There is no possibility for, for, for peace within the human soul or peace within a family or peace within a nation unless people can look to the cross and see that the sins that they've committed, the sins for which they deserve dire punishment, have been atoned. That our Lord has offered up the sacrifice to, to provide for the demands of justice. And that we haven't been left in a miserable state but exonerated. But we see that we can be good so long as God dwells in us, made possible through Christ and His church and the sacraments and sanctifying grace. It is the only hope for peace. Bishop Gassis and I obviously have many, many, many different experiences. To hear him speak from the pulpit, to hear him speak in private, it was fascinating. Some experiences we've already had in common, though. We have a good number of friends who are Muslim. You may have, hear, you may have heard him speak of the Islamic dictatorship in Khartoum, which truly seeks to eradicate Christianity from Sudan. There's a good reason why Bishop Cassis, when he travels in Sudan, has to have six bodyguards in his truck. And he accepts no passengers who are hitchhiking on the road. 
It's, it's no light matter. But in common with him, the Muslim friends that I have from college or from other experiences have one thing in common. None of them tried to observe the Quran. For them, it's a, it's a fable of, of faint interest. It's a, it's a slim consolation. But of several things we can be sure... The miraculous birth that came from Abraham wasn't Ishmael. Ishmael, who is the the father of those who would eventually follow Muhammad, were born of the slave girl with whom Abraham had a natural child. The miraculous child from Abraham was Isaac, born from his wife. Muslims know this history. We need to know that history as well. I've said to you before, probably, if you read one book, obviously read the Bible. If you haven't read the Gospels, don't even read the newspaper until you've finished reading the four Gospels. You could finish the Gospel of Mark by the time you're ready for dinner today, easily. But if you read another book of religious significance, you might do well to familiarize yourself with the Quran. There are beautiful passages in it, especially when it speaks of the the life of the unborn children in their mother's womb. But there's no mistaking that it's not inspired by God. The only book inspired by God word for word in the last 2,000 years is the New Testament. Anything else which purports to be inspired by a divine source obviously did not come from heaven. And not just because I said it, but because you've read it, you need to be able to say to your Muslim friends, why is it my holy book tells me I'm supposed to love you, and your holy book tells you you're not even allowed to be my friend? Why is that? With confidence, we know that the light of the gospel is the only thing that can provide peace to the human heart. To know that God is our dear Father is blasphemy in another religion. Should give us confidence to proclaim that truth to those who are afraid of following their conscience. And so we see in many places where there is freedom, Muslims convert to Christianity. It happened here this year. It'll happen here again next year. It's precisely when things are darkest, when we think the Lord has forgotten us, when we think that that circumstances are overwhelming us, That he comes to us in the middle of the night. We don't know if it was at three or just after three, but that hour, which is the opposite of the hour of mercy, might not be the hour when the devil is most active. 
But we can always be confident that no matter what is going on, no matter what human forces, no matter what evil forces are at work, God knows what's going on and he is in charge. And he has sent Christ to rescue us from the darkness. And if we've been rescued from the darkness, we need to help rescue other people from the darkness. Every human being made in the image and likeness of God will see all of their yearnings, all of their desires fulfilled in Jesus Christ and life in him within the Catholic Church. And when we've had the experience of darkness and being rescued by Christ, then we can hold someone's hand and assure them, He will come. He will rescue you. He has not forgotten you. With the confidence in having seen the risen Christ, or at least experienced Him, we also can be unafraid of, of, of any enemy. Knowing that the worst they can do is send me to heaven just a little quicker than I would have gone otherwise. The bishops of Iraq have asked people to fast and pray. Especially until Friday, the Solemnity of the Assumption, August 15th. And so we join them, not with the, the despair of thinking that, that God is missing, but with the confidence in having celebrated the resurrection of Christ and knowing that we are already saved and already rescued. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.